Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. You went live. Good evening, Facebook. I'm live. Good evening. I am. I know you would think I'd have someone to do this, but I'm typing into Instagram live Q&A with JJ. Sorry, I've already typed this in once, but I think I don't know what I did. If I press the wrong button with JJ Stiano, that's me, by the way. Um, Plastic surgeon. Plastic surgeon. Add title. Right there. So good evening. It's uh, seven o'clock ish, and and Instagram's on. Instagram's a bit high, is it? Facebook's on, and they're just telling my followers that I've started a live video. Okay. So um, should we wait for the followers to join? There's no blanket. I'm going to put a blanket on because I, I know it's hot, but you know, got, I don't know where my slippers are. So. Feet a bit cold. Anyway, um, good. Good evening, Tasha. Hugs, Gina, in the house. Tracy's in the house. Big up yourself, Tracy. Uh, smiling emoji. Right, what we got? Hope you've had a good week. I have had a good week. Thank you, Tracy. I have been, I'll tell you what I've been doing. Hello? Yeah, no, I'm on Facebook Live. Is that my new phone? Um, can't get it to work, though. Birthday present. Old school. Um, I've been in Liverpool, Tracy. I've been in Liverpool uh, doing some operating. That's where I'm doing most of my operating at the current time. And um, just got back. It's good. So that's been good. Um, so Amy Summerbonnie is here. Hello, Amy. And Sophie is here too. Hello, Sophie. Good evening, everyone. Jackie Crimes is my um, staunch supporter on Instagram. So, uh, what's all the laughing? Right, good <laughs> My phone. Yeah, no, I'm on the uh, Facebook Live. Yeah, I can't talk now. Okay, thank you, bye. Right, uh, good, okay. Yeah, and Instagram, yeah, not just Facebook. Yeah. Um, right, yeah, it looks good. It's got the old, the old, you know, the, Yeah. A bit too quick. Recoil's a bit too quick. You know? I mean, when they made phones like that, remember they phone phones like that, yeah? Why was it 999? Can anyone ask me that? Because 999 would take ages. Nine. Eh. Nine. Eh. Nine. Eh. I mean, it should be 111, surely. For those old phones, I mean, at the moment it doesn't matter. Obviously, nine 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 one one one, and you just press the button. But when they had old phones, why was it nine nine nine? Because that the, the the ring, the circular thing, had to recoil back. Anyone answer that? Um, Tracy, Sophie, phone and blanket. Yeah, you weren't supposed to see the blanket. Did you see? You saw the blanket. That's a bit embarrassing. But anyway. <laughs> Oh, anyway, that's what it, you know, that's what it is. Um, what's your number? My number, Tracy, is 0121-454-3680. Call me. But this phone doesn't work because I can't make it work. I think it's something to do because they fiddle about with the um, phone sockets when they put the internet in. And I think they've done something to the extension sockets. So it all relies on one phone that's plugged in. Um and you know the other ones are all on extensions but i would like a normal phone and i think it's good to have a backup phone but i think they've done something to extension sockets what do you do if you've got a problem that you need extent phone extension sockets looked at you know i mean is there a phone person like there's a plumber you know you don't necessarily want to get bt or something but are there people that do phones that aren't sort of bt or, or whatever you know, you've got plumbers and you've got electricians, but do you have phone people? Or would that be an electrician? Would they know their phones? Anyway, 
anyway enough of my problems let's do this because what we what we, we all know what we let's not beat around the bush we all know what we're here for okay on the podcast i'm probably going to cut out all of that and just go straight into this bit now so pause so take one so if you clap you get a spike in the yeah that's why i have the clapper board since i've been doing video i've realized that sharp spike and now you cut everything before that i'll have to cut this bit as well so before i start the um open reach yeah but that's the same as bt isn't it sort of still like i mean can you phone open reach and say hi i've got an extension uh i think i don't think my extension things working can you i don't think you can phone anyway if you know what you whether you can do that or not please let me know and also if you know why it's 999 when it takes so long for the number to recoil very interested to know those answers to those questions but um those are my questions to you but then but in return i'm going to ask answer your questions to me so uh we'll start it right there we go so cut it everything before there uh so good evening facebook live and instagram live people instagram instabook instabook live instagram no instagram's better fast faster bear face gram anyway uh instagram and facebook um it's just because i've been doing facebook longer i tend to say facebook and i feel bad because instagram is very active w anyway the question that we're doing now so first question okay First question is, good evening. First question is, you have said that polyurethane implants move less post-procedure, which places the onus on the surgeon to place them correctly. How do you do that? Good question there. Thank you for that question. Good evening, Joe Molly's of Eoli as well. Um, and hi, Liz, and hi, Rosie, and hi, uh, Open Reach Tracy. So, um, yeah, so so this is my patient, I'm assuming, because I think I said this to a patient the other day. Um, so polyurethane implants are basically more difficult to use than silicone implants. And there is a bit of a learning curve with polyurethane foam implants because polyurethane implants um, behave slightly differently to uh to uh, silicone implants. Now, to be honest, you have to make sure you place them both correctly whether you're using polyurethane or um, silicone implants the difference between them is that you're absolutely right polyurethane implants move le less because the scar tissue grows into them so the way you you make the pocket slightly differently i'm not sure if this is really relevant for, for members of the public to be honest anyway i'll say it um i'll say it anyway so um when you make when you do a breast augmentation, you have to make a pocket, you have to make a space to put the implant in, whether it be in front or behind the muscle, you, you make a space and you make a bigger space for polyurethane than you would with a silicone implant. So with a silicone implant, you talk about a hand in glove type fit, you know, you make a space the size of the implant to uh, to put the implant in. You don't want to make it too big because the implant might move about. You don't want to make it too small because the implant might wrinkle up and, and crease. So uh, with a polyurethane implant, you make a much bigger pocket um you make you make a wider pocket because that polyurethane is like uh there's a lot of sort of um there's a lot of um resistance i don't know if you can imagine it when you're going in with a with a polyurethane implant it's like they're furry implants so you don't want it rucking up uh, i haven't got one but you could ruck up if you made a tight space so you have to make a very wide space and you have to make sure it's sitting flat and the reason you can make a wide space, a space bigger than the size of the implant, is that, as, as, as you say, you can place it and it stays where you place it. Whereas a silicone implant, if you made the space too wide or too high or too low, the implant would fall into, the, into that space. Um, so um, you have to be careful with both is the answer. And you have to make sure you place both correctly. And... Uh, there is a as i say there's a learning curve with polyurethane foam implants um if you if you you know if you haven't used them much but the point i think i was making with this is that it's really important to choose your surgeon rather than the implant i think that's more the point i was making um because a lot of people get a lot of angst over what implant they should have which i don't think is necessarily wrong because i think it's a very important decision what implant you should have but 
they seem to spend a disproportionate amount of time worrying about the implant rather than the surgeon. They'll be like, oh, yeah, I don't know what my surgeon's name was or I don't know who he was, didn't really see him, saw him for five minutes or her for five minutes. And then I you know, saw one surgeon and had surgery and there was another surgeon and all this sort of thing. And I'm like, it's really um, more important to choose your surgeon than your implant, I would say, um, within certain re remits, it doesn't matter hugely what it's like playing with my crystals there, what implant you have um, based on the base width is really critical for me. And that's the first thing that I go on. Um, and so there's there's usually a couple of implants you can choose from, which people do have a lot of worry about which one they should choose. And I always say to them, look, you know, between one or two implants, particularly within the, within the same profile, the difference isn't going to be significant. But if you get that them placed wrong, too high, too wide, one up, one down, whatever, then you're not going to be happy. So I think that is the point really about the placement. But uh, how do you how do you place the implants correctly is, is you know, how the surgery and how you do it. And um, the, the main thing that I normally want to talk to other people who are sort of thinking about using polyurethane implants is to put them low. You have to put them much lower than you would, put, for instance, a silicone implant, because a silicone implant will drop into the pocket. Silicone implants start high and drop. They do sort of drop into the pocket. Polyurethane implants don't drop. They sort of stay pretty much where you put them. So you've got to put them in, put them in low um, because they'll stay there. Um, and sometimes it can look quite low when you do the surgery. But um, particularly, particularly if you're used to silicone, but it's just something that you've got to get used to if you're a surgeon using them. Um, having said that, they do start swollen and then settle, um, but they don't particularly move. They don't particularly drop in the same way that silicone implants do. Let's answer that question. Um, right. Um, got a question here that says some surgeons recommend the use of muscle relaxants after augmentation. Assume when under the muscle. Is this your policy too? Could the patient who's asked that question please elaborate on that if they're there, if they're out there? Um, surgeons recommend the use of muscle relaxants after augmentation. What does that mean? What, like diazepam and things like that uh, after surgery? I've never heard of that. Um, I would not do that. I mean, in principle, I guess they're saying the muscle contracti contracting is going to hurt. I'm, I'm assuming that's the rationale behind it. Um, it would also, but uh, it's nothing, nothing I've ever heard of, to be honest with you. And I don't, it's not my policy to give muscle relaxants after a uh, submuscular augmentation or any augmentation. Um, and, you know, it's, no. I mean, my, my muscle, I'm assuming you're talking about um, benzodiazepines like benz, uh, like a diazepam and things like that, which are sort of a bit sedative and can make you feel a bit drowsy, which might be good after a, um, after surgery, might be good to have, have um, a sort of, you know, sort of relax you but uh i wouldn't do anything particularly to relax the muscle personally personal personal preference but i don't i don't i've not heard of that i'm not has anyone heard of that has anyone heard of muscle relaxants being used after breast augmentation anyone no? um what should we be monitoring post augmentation i.e what's not normal following surgery and cause for a call-in Oh, good. We've got, we've, got a, we've got a question. Question on Facebook. All right, Adele, hold fast, Adele. I'll just do this one, then I'll be with you. Um, post augmentation. I tell you, I tell you what. It's it's interesting this because I mean we give you a post op instruction sheet with what to expect, and broadly speaking, I think probably the biggest problems you're going to get, or the biggest things you're going to be worried about in the immediate post operative period, which is the first twenty four hours or so is going to be hematoma. Hematoma is bleeding inside the pocket, means the breast gets very big, tense and swollen. And then the other thing you're going to get in the in the early post-optic period, in the first week, I would say, is infection. Infection means it gets red, angry, swollen, painful, tender. Um, with both of these things, the so th those are looking for you're looking for swelling from the from a hematoma and uh, infection red angry swollen tender and uh, you might say I've got a dressing on I can't really see if, if the wound is red and things like that with both of these things I think the easiest thing that I find is helpful to, to say to people 
is what you're looking for is a unilateral problem. So if your problem is on both sides, then it's less likely to be worrying. So I say, look, look out if they're tense, swollen, you know, painful, red, hot, um, you know, all these things. Tender, you might say, oh, my God, you might get home and think, oh, my God, they're tender, red, hot, swollen. I've got an infection or I've got a hematoma or I've got this or that. But I'd be like, if I, if I say, you know, I say, right, is it one or both? Like, when I see you post-op, I'm always like, are you in pain? Oh, God, yeah, yeah, it's really uncomfortable. Or no, people don't say that afterwards. They say, no, I'm all right, a little bit of a discomfort. And I always say, one or both. And if you say both, I'm relaxed a bit. I'm like, good. If you say it's the right one that's really causing me bother, I'll be like, oh, right, okay, let's have a look then. You know, so it's, it's unilateral. It's going to be unilateral. Uh, it's going to be one side. So if you get a disproportionate problem on one side over the other, that would be more of a concern than if they're both a problem because they're often quite red and quite tense and quite hot and quite swollen and quite painful. You know, they could be all those things, which are all signs of infection, but they're also signs of surgery and inflammation and, you know, trauma that you've had. So if it's both sides, I'd be less worried, bottom line. Uh, and also, bottom line, if you're worried, just ask us, just give us a ring and ask us. Um, but, yeah, mainly a, a one-sided one thing, I would say, is is a, is a not normal thing post-augmentation. Uh, and uh, you know we'd have a low threshold to to intervene. So just get 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 on the blower and give us a ring, or email, or whatever you want. An email with a photo that's for quite useful. Taking a photo and emailing it because often you're like, oh, it's really tense and swollen and hot and painful, and you and you say send us a photo. And you're like, well, you can't really see it on a photo, and you'd be like, well, if you can't really see it on a photo, you know it's un it's unlikely to be that so you know. It, a hematoma is like pretty obvious usually it's like twice the size of the other side so um yeah sending a photo is good adele what you got if the implant was over previously over the muscle when replacing implants can go under the muscle what would be the implication of this yeah that's that's, that's a that's an um um a, a re, that's a reasonable thing adele and uh, the um usual indication rather than implication, I'll talk about the implication, but the indication would be rippling, would be the sort of normal thing. If you've got visible rippling, maybe you've lost weight or what have you, and you can see the ripples of the implant, then you think, crikey, how am I going to cover that? So moving it from a on top of the muscle to an under the muscle play, plane would be possible. And the other way, Adele, you can move it from an under the muscle plane to an on top of the muscle plane. So you can basically change planes is a, is a uh, reasonable thing to do. Um, you have to be, you know, be a bit careful and you have to close down the original plane so that it doesn't flip back into that plane. Um, so the implications of this is just that the surgery take a little bit longer, um, but it's fine. Um, and sometimes, particularly if you're changing type of implant, for instance, if you're going from a, a silicone to a polyurethane implant, you know, the coating, um, it's nice to put it in a fresh pocket. So that either means doing a complete capsulectomy, a total capsulectomy, or changing plane would also be a, a way of putting it in a fresh pocket so that uh, tissue can sort of grow into the polyurethane implant. Um, so yeah, that's a that's a, a, a reasonable thing to do, um, changing, changing plane, uh, Adele. Liz gets double brownie points because Liz is has, hashtag ask JJ. So that is what I'm talking about. Um, they're talking out there they're starting to talk out there about that hashtag we're getting noticed guys things are going to start happening you know that hashtag is getting used you know what i'm saying hashtag ask jj how would the surgeon decide on what type of tt i need would i be able to choose good question like it like it so um well bottom line is to a degree liz you would obviously have an input on it. So to, to a degree, you'd be able to choose. So um, the fact of the matter is not everybody can have every type of tummy tuck. So the, the classic example being a full tummy tuck. So a full tummy tuck takes all the tissue from your pubic area from just above your pubic hair, if you have a cesarean scar from where that cesarean scar is to above your belly button. So all that tissue is removed with a full tummy tuck. And the tissue that goes from your belly button up to your 
the zipper sternum up to your rib cage is then pulled down. So if you haven't got much tissue, if you haven't got much laxity, the paradox, you know, if you if you haven't got much spare tissue, we're not going to be able to get that tissue from above the belly button all the way down into your into your pubic area, pubic uh, hairline sort of thing. Um, so. So you might not be able, you know, we might not be able to do a full tummy tuck, you know, so in which case you might be only a candidate for a mini tummy tuck or no tummy tuck. Um, if you were a candidate for a, a full tummy tuck, then really the other types of tummy tuck, so we're probably talking fleur-de-lis and circumferential, uh, 360 degree tummy tuck, uh, the th fleur-de-lis and the 360 are only really for people who have had massive weight loss. So if you have, you need a significant skin excess to justify the extra risk complications and scarring associated with those types of tummy tuck. So um, if you've got loads of skin laxity, if you've lost a lot of weight and you've got a lot of skin laxity in, and you are, you know, you have got laxity in the side to side as well as the up down direction, then a fleur de lis, or if you've got a lot on the sides, then a, a 360 degree circumferential tummy tuck um, might be an option. So if they're an option, then you can decide. You can decide whether you have a fleur de lis or a 360 or a full tummy tuck. And what I what I say to people is that you know you can have nothing. You don't need any tummy. No one needs a tummy tuck. You can just carry on with your life without a tummy tuck. The if you're a candidate for the bigger ones, and I say not many people are, it's only significant weight loss patients. But if you're a significant weight loss patient and you're a candidate for all of them, then I would say to you, look, the more scarring the more skin's removed, the tighter it is, but the more visible the scarring and the um, more the, the increased complications, costs, risks, you know, etc. So it's a bit of a balance there. So it needs a discussion and you would definitely have something to say on that. So yes is the answer. You would, well, I wouldn't, you would be able to ultimately decide what you have, but you might be precluded from some types of tummy tuck depending on how much skin laxity you've got and where your skin laxity is. So you'd have to be guided by the surgeon, but you would have to be involved in the decision sort of thing, you know. But good question, Liz. And with a hashtag Ask JJ. Guys, that's going to be a hard one to beat. I'll be honest. I'm just going to put it up on screen. Sorry, Instagram. I can't put the questions up on screen, but that, my friends, is a hard one to beat. Hashtag ask JJ, how would the surgeon decide on what type of TT I need? Would I be able to choose? That, my friends, is how it's done. Liz, go and get yourself, you know, a hot drink because you deserve it. Right? That is a good question by Liz. Right. What we got? What's going on? Instagram's going. This is what we need. Interaction, you know. Look at this, Evolve Massage. Great to know how well you look after your postdoc clients, impressed. That's what I'm talking about. So what it's all about, Evolve, it's all about the aftercare. It is all about, I've always, I've always said that and I always do my best to look after people. Um, Dr. Katie K, hashtag AskJJ on Instagram. That's what we're talking about. Uh, if three months post-op breasts are still uneven, what can be done? Right. Well, you obviously heard me talk because three months is sort of minimum, KTK, minimum um, for thinking about stuff. And at three months, so at three months, things start to settle. Important use of the English language, start. So they only really start to settle at three months. So um, at three months, they start to settle. So I would have a judgment on that one at three months. And uh, Katie, I would say it would depend on how bad it is. So if they are way off and you think this ain't coming back, you know, whoops, you know, or I don't know, something really bad, I would maybe think about revision at that stage. But I would prefer, and particularly if things are getting better, you've got to be true to yourself. And a lot of people try and sort of push for a revision, like, oh, they're not right and I'm really unhappy and all. Oh. Be true to yourself. If they are settling a bit, you know, in your heart of hearts, if things are getting a bit better, I'd be like, can we just leave it a bit? Can we just see how much they settle? Because you'd be surprised at how things settle in the first year, 18 months, you know. Now, it's a balance because you don't want to have an unhappy patient for 18 months who's going telling all their friends that they're all wonky and this guy's rubbish before you fix it. 
So you want to fix it as soon as possible if it's going to need to be fixed surgically. But a lot of things will settle. You would be absolutely surprised at how some, um, you know, wonkiness or unevenness will settle. So my um, preference would be to leave it as long as possible, ideally a year, to be honest with you. But you have to get people to a year. If you say that right on the off the bat, if you say that at six weeks, Oh, yeah, they're a bit uneven. And if they're still like that a year, I'll think about doing something. They'll be like, what the heck? You're not going to leave me for a year. So you have to keep patients involved and keep looking at them and examining them and seeing them and reassuring them that you will do something about it. And as I say, if it is, you know, pretty way off, I would think of doing something sooner. But what I would say is the longer you leave it, the better, because things might get better. And the way I phrase it with people is that, I don't know whether you're going to need a revision or not. You might need a revision. But what I do know is things will change over the coming months. And so, you know, this is not your final result. So it would be wrong to do a revision if this is not your final result and you really want to wait as long as possible. And um, yeah, and as I say, three months is when I say things start to settle. And I, you know, if it's like, like a big dog ear or something like that, and it's like really big, I'll be like, mm, you know, and they're really annoyed by it as well. If they're not annoyed by it, then I'll be like, well, it might get a bit better, and then I might be able to make a smaller scar if I did revise it sort of thing. So it, it's a it's a joint thing with the patients, but you have to really try and keep you on board because it is can be distressing if things are uneven. And I think for me, most of it is saying to people, don't worry, I will fix it if it's still uneven at six months, 12 months, whatever. But if it's get better, can we just leave it and see where we're going to get to? Because A, I might not need to do anything. And B, if I do need to do something, I might need to do less if I um, do it later. And it can be difficult, you know, bitter, bitter pill to swallow, because obviously when you have your revision, if you do have a revision, that's going to need to settle. You know, you have a fresh scar and they'll probably be uneven again and you have to leave it settled. So it's like, I'm not going to wait a year and then you operate on me and I have to wait another year for that to settle. So, again, it's all about which is, you know, which is just what it is. So it's all about talking to patients and trying to get them on side and um, and leaving it as long as possible in my in my view is what I would do um, and, and working closely with them. That's my, my advice on that one. Uh, Anna, what you got? What pain re relief typically is required after a mastopexy? I tell you, Anna, ibuprofen and paracetamol. I know what you're going to say. What? That's headache tablets. Come on. They're good painkillers. Trust me on this. Usually the pain isn't too bad. Usually now someone's going to come on and say, I had a mastopexy and it's really bad. <laughs> but usually it's just tight. It feels tight, feels uncomfortable, feels swollen, feels weird, all these things. But pain, usually if any mastopexy people are out there, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, usually it just feels tight, feels uncomfortable and um, pain hopefully is not too much of an issue. So I like simple painkillers, stuff you've got in your cupboard, ibuprofen and paracetamol. Having said that, if you do have pain, we will give you stronger painkillers from the opiate group. It's a group of painkillers um, uh, in the opiate group, which are the, the normal one is codeine, codeine phosphate. Uh, there's also things like cocodamol and caproximol and stuff, which are like codeine type drugs with paracetamol tramadol and you know morphine obviously and things like that so those are sort of opiate types so codeine being the, the the normal one if you like and sometimes we do sort of give you codeine if you're if you're in pain and it's not controlled which is fine because they're really good painkillers don't get me wrong but they can make you feel sick they can make you feel dizzy they can make you constipated so um and the constipation can be worse than the pain so i would say be careful with the codeine type ones if um in, in my book I would say, look, I would be be a bit, um, uh, uh, if, if you're in pain, by all means, take them. But if you're not in pain, I would go with, or if your pain's not too bad, I would go with um, ibuprofen and paracetamol. Um, but we will give you more if you, if you need. Hannah Resoda. Hannah Resoda. Resoda. Hi, what is considered significant weight loss? Um, well, it depends on how your body reacts to it. It reacts differently, but I would say significant weight loss. I'm going to say five stone. I would consider significant. So I think, you know, you're looking at the five stone plus is your fleur-de-lis um, 
circumferential realm but even then some people can have five stone weight loss and not be too bad some people can have three stone and be like have a lot of loose skin so it's, it is depend on the person but if you're asking for a number hannah i'm going to give you one five stone how's that official colette hand up oh my god there's a question on instagram <laughs> we've got an officially typed so that is exciting right holly stand but stand by but i'm going to go into the official question do you do revision tummy tucks? Nice. Um, do oh, do you do revision tummy tucks? What do you mean by that? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, um, that's a funny question, official collect. I mean, I think most of us will do revisions. I mean, you have to do revision surgery if you're doing surgery because, you know, sometimes you have to revise. I'm assuming you mean not my own case, not my my first time case so in answer to the question yeah official i had a tummy tuck and need a revision i mean it depends the thing about follow-up and revisions and stuff like that is it depends on when the revision when the first one was so if your first one was like a year you know a year ago five years ago or something then yeah but if your first one was like a month ago then i'd be like hold on a minute you get your, you know or within a year say then i'd be getting your surgeon to go, go, go for it so that's not written in stone. That's something I just thought of now, the year thing. But um, yeah, in general terms, oh, 24 weeks, that's less than a year, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think you're better off with your surgeon, uh, official Colette. And also, I think you're better off like going, what's 24 weeks in terms of months? Or equals 12, six months, isn't it? Um, yeah, I think, you, I think you're better off with your surgeon. Yeah, I'm doing that, I'm doing that emoji. Yeah. Better off with your surgeon, official Colette. It's tricky. I've got to be honest with you, official Colette. Revision surgery is difficult. I mean, it sounds, it sounds, um, what's the word? Crass, is that the word? Anyway, it just doesn't sound, it's not helpful to say, oh, it's better to do it right first time. You know, that's really unhelpful. But, um, you know, it, it is difficult, revision surgery. And it is much easier when you get someone who's not had surgery than when you have someone who's had something and the scar because you're dealing with scarring and things like that and it's and revisions are difficult period um and it's bad enough doing your own revisions but uh doing revisions of other people is um it's a funny area official collect it's a funny area and i think my advice is normally to stick with your surgeon although i understand people you know can maybe think oh they've got me here but anyone can have problems anyone can have situations where people need revisions doesn't necessarily mean they're a bad surgeon unless they you know been treating you badly but i do think it is best to try and work with your surgeon as much as possible also official collect financially you know often surgeons will do revisions um for free if they're, they're their own uh, cases because they've got a vested interest to make you happy because they don't want people going out saying that surgeon was rubbish so you know your your surgeon will have a vested interest to try and make things right whereas you go to a new surgeon they're going to just say well, right well it's you know loads of money when you've already presumably spent loads of money on the surgery in the first place so um you know um sorry i uh, thank you lol i agree it's bad not doing your own revision he quoted a lot he quoted a lot. Your surgeon quoted a lot. Did he? The same to do the revision. Did he? All oh, right. Okay. Um, yeah. Tricky one, official. I feel your pain. But leave. And the other thing I said earlier, I don't know if you were here, leave it as long as you can because things might settle. You never know. You know? I know it's 24 weeks is six months, isn't it? 50. Yeah. Um, are we allowed, Tori? allowed come on are we allowed to bring someone with us to a consultation with yourself face to face tori yes you are when we send out and i know why you're asking that because if you have booked a consultation to see us you get all these emails saying don't come alone come alone we will be watching you um but we have to write that because of the covid and we do encourage it as well because of the covid sorry it's a dog visitor at this time of night um so yes we do encourage you to come alone if you can come alone having said that a lot of people want to bring a bit of moral support don't they so if you want to bring someone for moral support absolutely fine and people do bring you know friends partners spouses um yeah so yeah 
Cantor is a bottom line. Just let us know. We write a little note saying bringing whatever. You've got a lot to revise. Yeah, no more comments. Lol. No more comments. What does that mean? Thank you. You're welcome. No more comments from him or from me. I'll comment, uh, official Colette. I will comment, uh, and I'm happy to comment. And um, but I think revisions is is, is you you've touched on a difficult point there, official Colette. You've touched on a difficult one, and I've got to be honest with you. I wouldn't. Would I say we see it a lot? We do see it, you know, a bit, quite a bit with people who are quite recently post op who want help. And I feel for them, but at the same time, you know what I, the problem is. And I said this before: is that the the the, the money, the, the price that you pay. And I, I don't know, I'm not say saying you went for price and things, but it, just in terms of the surgery, the surgery is priced based on the whole package of the surgery and the aftercare. We don't have packages just for aftercare, so the surgery is priced for the whole lot. So it is difficult when people want some help after their surgery because we're like well we don't help you after your surgery but if you've had surgery with someone else because we yeah anyway maybe that's not helpful to you collect you're asking for a vision but yeah right mm. yeah good luck official collect good luck and um yeah um and you know, if you want any, if you want to send us a photo, I can give you an opinion. If you want, you know. But as I say, always stick with your search. It'll be helpful. Feel bad. Feel like I'm being unhelpful live on air. But anyway, um, it is difficult. Yeah. Oh dear. Right. Um, Hannah. Here we go. What we got? Holly. Holly Elizabeth. How long should I wait for a tummy tuck after a C-section, please? Holly, that is a good question. That's up there with Liz's question. Haven't done the hashtag. If I'm going to pull you up on anything. Haven't done the hashtag, Holly. So I'm just going to pull you up on that. Hashtag AskJJ is what we are getting trending. Um, so, um, well, the minimum, Holly, is because you have to let your body recover. So your minimum is six months. So, you know, sometimes people will see it three months with you doing surgery at six months, but that'll be the minimum. But the other thing you've got to remember, Holly, is you've got a six-month-old baby. So it can be tough. So I think it's a bit easier when they start walking. So maybe about a year. Now, I know that a lot of people say, well, my maternity leave runs out at a year and I want to get it done before then, which is fine. But you need to have help because, you know, you don't really want to be lifting a baby and it can be difficult. Six months can be difficult. If they're a bit more mobile, it can be a bit easier. Although I understand they're going to be bigger, obviously. But um, I would say a year is better and six months is the minimum. Is the answer to that question? Hannah? Mm. Parasite might be appropriate. Fine. I'd rather avoid opiates. I'm a nurse. I understand. Yes, I would rather avoid opiates too. I'm with you on that one. We are seeking from the same hymn sheet, Hannah, my girl. Uh, do you want to call you Hannah? Anna, is that all right? Yeah, because I just had Holly. Holly and Anna. Just, yeah, just Hannah. Uh, right. What is going on? Quick, get another question up. Gloss over it. Here we go. Holly's back in. Holly, hashtag ask JJ. Sorry, I'm new first time. <laughs> Holly, you didn't know about the hashtag, to be fair, nor did the rest of the world. It's it's something that I'm trying to do, but um, I'll be honest with you, it's not it's, it's not setting the world alight. But it's still, anyway, don't you worry, Holly. I was only joking. I didn't really mean it, but it's fine. You can ask questions without a hashtag. But thanks for getting it in there, by the way. That's very helpful. Um, with... with um, what should we monitoring post? We've done that one. Is there a reason? Here we go. Is there a reason um, why there is such a variance in time for different patients that have implants? What does that mean? What is that question? I don't understand the question. Is there a reason why there is such a variance in time for different patients? Does that mean the settling? Do you think? What do you think, guys? What does that question mean? Um, settling. Does it maybe post-op settling? So there is a, there's not that much of a variance, although polyurethane settled differently to silicone, but they both, you know, everything, the three-month thing, I say everything. I don't know if I can get the core question. There's a spreadsheet with all the questions on, but I don't know if I can, should have probably done that before. Um, uh, let's assume it means... Um, 
mean it means the post-op time so yeah polyurethane implants don't really drop um oh here we go oh it was on email that question um so anyway is there i i could find the email but anyway um yeah i'm gonna say it's probably due to so let's start again so is there a reason why there's such a variance in time for different patients that have implants yes well the variance for patients who have different implants different patients or different implants yeah so basically you've got silicone and you've got polyurethane polyurethane start a bit swollen and then settle silicone ones drop so their shape looks a little bit they look a bit higher for silicone ones than polyurethane ones having said that if you've never had any implants i wouldn't worry too much about it it's not that much of a difference the bottom line is they both start a bit up there and then they settle should we say um and the time there's not a huge variance in time you know i normally say um normally catch up about six weeks at six weeks your scars quite red your shape's not there and then three months is sort of where things are starting to settle. The shape's starting to get a bit better. Scars starting to fade and soften. But it is 6, 12 or 18 months really for everything to properly settle. And that's for all types of implants, really. Um, the silicone ones do feel softer than the polyurethane ones. They do feel a bit firmer and take about a year for them to soften because the scar tissue grows into the foam, whereas the scar tissue just goes around the silicone one. So there's actually more scar tissue with the polyurethane one, but it grows into the foam. And so then when it contracts, it contracts in different directions. So the scar tissue around the implant is actually what the capsule is made of. So the capsule is made much more haphazard around a polyurethane implant than it is around a silicone implant. So a silicone implant feels smooth to start off, feels soft to start off with, but then over the years can start to harden. Whereas a polyurethane one feels a bit firmer because that scar tissue is growing into the foam to start off with, but then over the years stays soft. So I hope that's answered. That uh, question. I'm sorry, I if that's um, not not answered properly. But um, uh, Anna, Holly, Amy, Amy is in. Hi, I was wondering how long round about someone working at Costa would need off. Good question, Amy. How? Oh, look at that, Amy. What she what she gone and done? She's gone and posted the same question with the hashtag AskJJ. Amy, really, I don't you I I don't know what it does, Amy. Don't worry about the hat. I don't know why I'm telling people to do the hashtag AskJJ, if I'm honest with you. Um, does it do anything, the hashtag? I don't know. It's an Instagram thing, isn't it? Hashtags. So don't, but thank you. I mean, we'll keep it, let's keep it going, guys. Yeah, hashtag AskJJ. Um, but thank you for reposting the question with a hashtag. That's very much appreciated. So, um, Costa, uh, how's it going, Amy? You're busy just doing takeouts, aren't you? The moment. Mind you, we're opening soon, will it? A couple, couple of weeks, is it? Non-essential shops, does that include getting... I do, like, I do miss sitting in a coffee shop. I do miss that, Amy, I'll be honest. Um, so I would say that if you're... Are we talking breast... Oh, breast uplift. So breast uplift, you're going to feel uncomfortable, sore, tight, all these things. Two weeks, I'm going to say, after two weeks, you'll be feeling better. Um, the dressings will come off after one week. So you will be feeling better after two weeks, but you'll still be wearing a supportive bra. Um, I don't know. Is it, a lot, they, is it hard to pull those things? So after two weeks, you'll be able to do stuff. I mean, hmm. if you are working in the office of Costa, I mean, I can give you a sick note and I can say light duties. That's helpful. If you're working in the office, I think you'd be able to two weeks. You know, you might be able to start driving and things after two weeks. But I don't know how much, or the can you just do the till maybe? I don't know if you're doing a lot of that. That's going to make it swell because it's going to make your pec, you know, which is just underneath your breast, and you're going to make it swell. So I wouldn't be doing too much of that. Or is that is that a barmaid? You know, you that tap, 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 don't you? So, yeah, I think if you can do non-barista, if you can do non-barista duties, I can give you a signal and say no barista duties. before. So I think it's probably going to be four to six weeks for the for the arm stuff. But no arm stuff, two weeks. So you could go back to the office or maybe till or maybe the, the headset on the on the um, drive through because they don't actually make the coffee, do they? They just take the order. So if you could just do the headset person. So I could maybe say um, two weeks off and then two weeks on the headset. 
and then you can go back to barista after four weeks, you know, outline it all on the sick note if you want. So, yeah, that's where I am on that, uh, Amy. After two weeks, you can do stuff, but uh, four to six weeks before you're doing too much with your arms. Right, Emma. Um, I've had my breast implants 12 years. Is there a desperate need to get... Is there a desperate need to get them replaced after a certain period of time? No, Emma. No, 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 no. Go, you go, girl. Um, I always offer patients a yearly follow-up, but you don't have to keep coming back. So if you're a patient of mine, you're welcome to come back to see me. Um, but to be quite honest with you, Emma, if you have a problem with the implant, you're probably going to know about it. It's unlikely that the doctor will diagnose it. So you don't have to come. It's not essential to come back for follow-up appointments. And I know a lot of doc people don't follow up patients um, with breast implants. And I, and I don't think that's necessarily medically bad because I think most things will be um, picked up by the patient. Um, but I just like to keep an eye on patients and I like to, them to know that I'm around. So that's why I offer um, uh, unlimited follow-up for people. But um, the, probably the main problem you're going to get at, you know, this sort of period, Emma, is capsular contracture, which is hardening of the implant. And it's a very subjective thing. So if you don't feel, don't go looking. If you don't feel they're hard, if they haven't got any problems, I would say, you know, don't, don't worry, leave it alone. Some people talk about scanning, uh, routine scanning at some times after eight years or 10 years or something. I don't routinely scan my patients, although, as I say, I do offer them a yearly follow-up you would be there's nothing wrong with routine scanning so you could if you wanted to consider scanning if you're worried about the implants to check the integrity of them the only issue i find sometimes with scans is that they can sometimes be um um sort of not a hundred percent they they can sometimes say suggestive of a rupture or something and i've seen situations where they've suggested it's a rupture and you change the implants and they're not ruptured and vice versa, when they're saying they're not ruptured and you go in and change the implants and they are ruptured. So the scans aren't 100%. So you've got to question if, you, you know, if you've got no problems with your implants, the only issue I've got is if you then have a scan and the scan's suggestive of a rupture, you'd be like, oh, my God, what do I do? Because do you want to go through surgery with costs and risks and complications um, and you haven't got any problems? So that's why, personally, I don't routinely scan. Um, but... Yeah, so the answer is no. No desperate need, Emma. Carry on with your life. See people with them 15, 20 years. They say the same person who had them in, in the 1960s, the first person ever to have them in, has still got them in. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if she's still alive, but basically she's obviously had them in for many, many years. So it is possible to have them in for many years. Um, so no, don't worry, Emma. Just get on with your life. And if you get problems in get them looked at but uh, and obviously look for lumps and swellings and things as you should be doing anyway if you've got breasts whether regardless of implants you should be looking for lumps and swellings because obviously you can have problems with the breast as well as the implant but um but yeah good keep going emma keep going um holly hashtag ask jj nice one um is a mummy makeover healing process longer than having them done separately yes it is because so mummy makeover is basically a breast and a tummy procedure and you're basically doubling your risks of complications basically so if you have them done separately um you know if you if you think you know you might have you might have no problem oh, how can i explain this basically um it, it's it's you're, you're you're increasing it's because you've got both of them um no i'm not sure. <laughs> i'm just gonna just gonna have a lie down i'll be back in a minute right <laughs> okay. can we just cut that can we just do another take on that okay is a mummy maker hashtag ask jj who's that sorry yeah I'm, uh, yeah i can't, sorry you need me now i've got to go i've got to go oh, sorry guys <laughs> Right. Um, this is my makeover healing process along with having them done separately. Basically, um, if you have a tummy tuck, let's say your risk of having a wound problem is um, one in 10. It's not, it's less than that, but let's just say it. And if you have a breast lift or something, your risk is one in 10. So if you have a mummy makeover, your risk is two in 10. So it's sort of like the same as. So. Do you get me? 
so it is the same as if you'd had a nun separately because it would be one in ten for the first one and then one in ten for the second one but it's actually two in ten you're doubling it up tumbleweed so is it more so does that is that that does that mean it is more or is it isn't more you could argue it's the same but you got the risk at the same time for both yeah have i made that clear so it doesn't make you more likely to get a problem in either one of them but you could get a problem because you're having them both at the same time you've got more areas to worry about I thought this would be an easy one. Um, I understand, right? Holly's posted that she's understand, so we can move on. Thank you, Holly. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry, I didn't. I think I didn't answer that very well. But anyway, um, good. Um, Amy, awesome. Thank you. Do you guys offer finance options? I'm on a weight loss journey currently. Then I'd like to book in for a consultation with you. Hashtag ask JJ. Hashtag, am I doing this right? Amy. Look at you bringing new hashtags. Hashtag, am I doing this right? Um, in caps. You know what? That could be the hashtag that I could put on every single post of mine when I'm um, doing this Facebook Live, to be quite honest with you. Um, so the hospitals offer finance options, Amy. So the hospitals, I'm doing a lot of work up in Liverpool, uh, which is a little privately owned hospital. So there's no finance options there. The hospitals that I normally work at around the Midlands, which are the Spire and the BMI hospitals, are do offer finance. They do offer 0% for 12 or 10 months. So, uh, yes, they do. Um, and uh, if you and it seems to be they're coming back online, the ones around here, but we'll have to wait and see. And um, so, yes. And the reason why the private, the one up in Liverpool doesn't, and also my clinic doesn't, is because you know what? It's quite hard to beat the the, the, the high street. They do low, you know, three percent loans and stuff like that on the high street. So it is hard to beat it. But obviously, zero percent beats it. But the, the hostels, so the hospitals do that. So anyway, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, mm, 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 next question: Have you ever done? It's going well. I think. I don't know what you think. I think it's going all right, isn't it? You know, just tripped up with that mummy makeover one, but you can't have everything. Um, have you ever done slash had experience with breast fat transfer? Yes, ma'am, I have. I used to do breast fat transfer almost every week. I used to do it all the time when I worked in the NHS. And the reason being I was uh, doing breast reconstruction after cancer. So if you're reconstructing a breast, you... You often have some contour irregularities, some volume discrepancies between the breasts, one bigger, one smaller, dense, things like that. And fat grafting is brilliant. Fat grafting is brilliant because it adds volume. It can add volume in a three-dimensional way. So if you have a bit of a contour irregularity, you can add volume into that contour irregularity, whereas an implant just sort of globally makes the whole breast bigger. Um, but since I've been doing cosmetic breast surgery rather than reconstructive breast surgery, I hardly ever do it. So I have got a lot of experience in it and I've done hundreds of cases, but I hardly ever do it now, to be honest with you, because, and I love doing it as well. I'd like to say full disclosure, I absolutely love it. It's a great technique. It's a brilliant technique. You're using your own fat, it's brilliant. Complication rate's low, you know, longevity, once it's there, it's there forever. It's brilliant. The reason I hardly ever do it is because the results are really subtle. And cosmetically, you're usually having to do it for to both breasts. You know, with the reconstruction, you, you're trying to balance out a volume discrepancy between the two. So you can put all the fat in that one breast. Whereas if you're having to split it between two, the, the results are subtle. The volumes are low in my hands. So in my hands and in my experience, the volumes are low. The results are subtle. Um, you're looking at about 50 to 100 cc's is probably where I'd be going with a fat grafting. If you want cosmetic augmentation, you could easily go 250 cc's, 300 cc's with an implant, you know, which would mean five or six operations um, with a fat grafting. And it's expensive. It's expensive. So um, it is good and it, it's a brilliant technique, but it is expensive and you often have to repeat it. So it's got limitations. So you have to 
counsel patients about it um, to make sure that they're aware of that and therefore how I'll ever do it. By the way, anyone who's joined early or joined recently, fat grafting into the breast we're talking about. Um, so I've done a lot of it, but I don't do much now with cosmetic augmentation because I've got, for me, augmenting or enhancing the volume of the breast, implants are still gold standard, the one to be. Uh, I like the concept of fat grafting. I don't like potentially having problems for the future and all the things, the risks you've got with implants. I'd rather not use them if I didn't have to, but I do think they are still the best way to enhance the volume of the breasts. And fat grafting is just not there yet, unfortunately, in my view and experience. Uh, can you combine an arm and a thigh lift? An arm and a thigh lift, can you combine them? Well, can you? Yes. Can you? Should you? That's the question, isn't it? Oh, um, hi, Natty. Hello. Um, should you? Uh, you know, I, I, so can you combine an arm and a thigh lift? Answer, yes. Should you? Answer, I don't think you should, no, personally. I think it's too much to do an arm and thigh lift in one operation. I think it's difficult for surgery. Oh, Christ. Sorry. It's difficult for surgery. Um, you, your prepped arms and thighs, you know, it's all a bit difficult. Thank you for amazing work yesterday. Oh, Natty. Oh, I didn't know that was you. <laughs> Are you back? Are you back? Yeah, long day, eh? Well, maybe not so long for you, because you know, but it still was a long day for you, but yeah. Um, so arm, I hope you're okay. Um, yeah, arms and thighs, you're prepped, your whole body's prepped, you've got to prep the middle bit, you're exposed. Um, so it's big, big in terms of your in terms of your your, um, your exposure for surgery and also post-op. It's your post-op recovery. Having both arms and both thighs out of action is not great, and I would not recommend it. I think um, arms and thighs in one go is too much personally. Uh, can it be done? Yes, it can. I don't think it would be a good thing. And I would probably, if you're coming to see me, I don't know who's asking this question, I would probably advise against it, to be honest with you. I totally understand why you want to get it done in one go. Arms and breast, yeah. Thighs and tummy, yeah, that's a common combination. You're sort of locating the problems in one area. But to have both arms and both legs uncomfortable, I think that's a bit, you know, I don't think that would be great, personally, in my view. Just my view. Uh, Natty's feeling great. Big up yourself, Natty. What a what a player. What a what a great patient. Rebecca's Vu. What is the price for liposuction, belly and love handles and boo job? An approximate price, please. Oh, blimey. Um, no idea, Rebecca. Um, can you email us or, or direct message me with your email and we'll email you. So just but just to pick up on the belly liposuction, I tend not to do belly liposuction. The skin doesn't retract well, and I don't get good results. Love handles, yes. Belly, no. Belly, I find the best way to contour the belly is a tummy tuck. But I understand if you're thinking of liposuction, a tummy tuck is quite a significant step up from um, liposuction. You might not want to consider that. But um, I am always a bit reluctant to do belly liposuction because uh, I find that once you were, it's a bit like weight loss. It's the reason people need tummy tucks. You lose the weight, the skin doesn't recoil from the from the abdomen it, it recalls from the hips that's in your love handles that 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 responds well to weight loss but your tummy doesn't that's why people need life uh, need uh, uh tummy tucks and basically liposuction is doing the same as what weight loss would do it's just removing the fat and my worry is if you're left with redundant skin there you're not going to be happy so i would say that um a tummy tuck is better but you know so but certainly and boob job um rebecca's vu you've got to be a bit more if you want a price if you can say like it's a lift or it's implants or a lift and implants or a reduction you know because there's lots of different things you can have to your boobs i guess boob job is traditionally implants i'm guessing is it is that what people normally consider to be so yeah but if you message me or give us a ring 0121454368 hello stangano plastic surgery how can i help um then then I um, then they'll give you a price. I don't know. I've got no idea. I'll get it wrong. And then you'll say he said that price. And then we'll be all sorts of trouble if I try and mess with prices. I ain't messing with prices. Got no idea. Not 
I prefer I blank that bit out. I blank it out. I don't want to think about it. Just implants. I have nothing. I have nothing. Uh, just implants. Does anyone know how much implants is? Is it six thousand, seven thousand? I'm not sure. See, I've said something now, and you're gonna. Then they're gonna say it's something, and you're gonna say he said that. I don't know what it is. It's thousands. It's thousands of pounds. Se several thousand. But uh, they'll 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 help you if you ring them or as I say, if you direct message me on Instagram or give us your um, email on Instagram, I will ask them to email you prices of of this sort of stuff. Or you give us your number, message me your number, and we'll ring you or ring us. That's the best thing. Uh, right. Can you tell us more about Twilight Sedation, please? Well, Twilight Sedation is uh, local anaesthetic with uh, sedation. So it's not, you're not uh, awake. A lot of people think you are awake. Um, and it is, um, you're quite sedated. So um, you're quite uh, like that. And uh, it is a great thing. It's a really good thing. And it's a really good way of doing surgery. Uh, we used to not do much of it, to be fair. I used to only do it when people asked for it. I'm still a bit like that, but there was a period where we could only do it under local insulation. So we did ramp up and did a lot more under local insulation. Uh, we're back now to having GA facilities. Um, so there's a bit more of a, like a sort of choice, really, whether you have local insulation or a GA. It's not for everybody and it's not for every procedure. So you don't really, the bigger procedures, so bigger breast reductions, tummy tucks, um, you know, bigger, bigger ops. I'll be a bit like, mm, I don't know people do do it. Well, I have to actually done it on bigger ops, but a bit like, mm, you know, maybe, maybe I, I wouldn't push it. But certainly for things like breast augmentations, it's a great technique. Just done one before I came back here um, on a patient. And the great thing about it, the, the, so there's good and bad, like anything. If anyone tries to tell you something great, and it's the next big thing, you've got to say, well, why doesn't everyone do it? You know, why isn't it? So, so there's good and bad. The great thing about it is the recovery is quicker. You know, people afterwards, they feel much better. They don't, if you've had a general anesthetic, you feel a bit bit hungover, a bit uh, a bit sick and a bit, you know, um, you do feel much better after local anesthetic sedation. The recovery is a lot quicker. You're up and about, you go home like an hour after the surgery, literally, you know, it's amazing. The recovery is much quicker and you feel a lot better. Um, and you don't have that, that general anesthetic to get out of your system. The bad thing about it is that it can be a bit uncomfortable. You can feel bits and bobs. You can feel pushing and pulling. So if you're going to be stressed, if your patient has to be state of mind, have to be up for it, sort of thing. They have to. You have, it's about patient selection. If you if you're a bit anxious and you're a bit worried, no problem. Just have a general. Boom, you're out. Then you're back in the room. You know, it's it's fine. So it's it is about patient selection. So it is about choosing the right patient. So you have to be sort of. Um, sort of up for it, you have to be game, you know, we don't really want to force it, force you into it if you if you don't fancy it, because then you're going to get stressed out and not have a good experience. But if you are up for it and you think, you know, um, and often we we um, usually work in theatres where they, we can do a general. So if you're feeling uncomfortable, if it doesn't feel right and you think, oh, you know what, I'm not enjoying this, or if we think, look, you're not enjoying this, it's not good, we can always convert you to a general. You're always set up for a general anyway, so you can you can be converted to a general, because an anaesthetist has to do the, um, sorry, I'm playing Crystals. The anesthetist has to do a um, the, the, the local station anyway, so there's an anesthetist there anyway, so it's no stress, no hassle for them to convert it to a general. But yeah, twilight sedation for the right sort of operation, uh, breast lifts, smaller breast reductions, uh, breast augmentation, really good procedure, really good, good technique. I am worn out. Natty, you'll know why I'm worn out. I am worn out. So, um, who's up for a bit of antiques road trip? Hands up. Me. Right. I'll give a second episode, I believe, 807. If you've got any questions, by all means, ask them because I will be very happy to answer them. But if not, let me go and watch antiques road trip. If there's no other questions, if you have got questions, by all means, post them, message me, Facebook me, Instagram me. YouTube me, all right? We're on YouTube, guys. What do you mean you don't know we're on YouTube? For God's sake, get yourself over there and get subscribing. We got 1,000, well, more than a 1,000 YouTubers. Jackie, you must have subscribed on YouTube. Come on, tell me. J Jackie has been here <laughs> start to finish. Come on, Jackie, get yourself over. Larry J22 has just arrived. 
get yourself over to Antiques Road Trip 17, Channel 17. Let's do this. Come on. Um, Jackie, you've missed the whole first Antiques Road Trip for this. Come on. Have a word with yourself. Honestly, but I very much appreciate your support. Thank you for being there. Right. I don't know. Where is the camera? Is that the camera? That's the camera. Right. Um, good. I am going to check myself out. I don't know about you. I'm going to check myself out. I suggest you do likewise. And please, by all means, message me or get in touch. Lowry Chase, just enjoying and put those of heart. What is that heart? How did you get that heart up there? Good God. I didn't know. That's not even an emoji. Anyway, that's that's awesome. Right. I'm going to check out Facebook. Checking out Facebook. Take it easy. See you next time. Jack. Have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.